What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. of the Hardwood Knox podcast. Dan Favalli is coming at you this time once again without Andy Bailey and Adam Frommel because they don't love you six or seven listeners as much as I do. But we have brought back on Hardwood Knox friend and NBA slash Sixers aficionado Alec Nathan who writes for Bleacher Report and tweets things that can be often funny, sometimes offensive, but mostly spot on. How are you, Alec? Uh, I'm good. I'd be better if the Sixers didn't lose to the Pelicans last night in pretty Yo, that embarrassing was close fashion. For a minute, though. Yeah, it was close for a minute, and then they were down 13 at halftime, and it got away. So you're on mainly to talk about the Sixers at this point. At least that's where we're going to start. Nerlens Noel, what is going on? The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. There. And what... Or what is the resolution here? Like, isn't it just trade him already? Or I think you were talking to me before the podcast, like, maybe you don't. Well, okay, so there's two options, right? There's one you trade him, and there's one you keep him through the end of the season and see if you can maybe dish one of the other guys and then sign him to, well, you know, you have him in restricted free agency, you have his rights, and you match whatever offers come his way. And uh, 
Brian Colangelo seems to have already said that, you know, they're not going to make a bad deal, as he put it, just for the sake of making a deal. And he seems pretty set on that. But at this point, I mean, I would love to see them give him some time. The fact that they have been insistent on pairing Okafor with Embiid is just mind-numbing to me. And it's not just because... (laughs) It's not just because I have like a vendetta against Okafor. It's he's bad with literally he's bad. All right, I'll read you numbers, but he's bad with every single guy they pair him with. So first, Colangelo said the other day when he meets with the media, he says, you know, now that they're all healthy, we'd like to see them exposed together, right? So he they pair him with Embiid. So far together, they're getting outscored by 13 points for 100 possessions. That's bad enough. And then they say, well, we want to pair him also with the other guys as a 4-5 combo and see if they can work that out because he's coming off the bench sometimes. Him and Saric are minus 17 and him and Ilyasova are minus 12. Like where <laughs> – there's clearly no pairing that works because his defense is such a liability. He's – his weak side awareness is unbelievably bad and every, watching him is excruciating. Right, and here's my – like the offensive – like benefit just isn't there of having him like with Joel Embiid can shoot threes, but the Sixers' offensive rating is under ninety nine with Okafor well, and Embiid on the floor. That's and terrible. do you remember what do you remember what Embiid said after they they started them together for the first time last week? And after the game, they asked Joe like they're like how you know what did you think of that? And he's like I don't like standing out and lingering and shooting all the time. Like I want to do damage below the free throw line. I want to work on the blocks and I want to post up like. He's basic, and then yesterday he also after criticized Berlin, the defense too, right? Like yeah, guys and you could try see him. You could see him getting really. There's a clip of him against the Lakers, just like shouting at Okafor because he's late to recognize help, and it's like, I, it's just clearly not a pairing that works. Okafor is just too lazy for his own good. It's I, right. He it needs doesn't to make be, sense, and I'm not even sure he could be this. He needs to. He needs to improve upon his defense. Like period. Like it just. It has to happen if he's going to have anything resembling an average NBA career arc. But he looks like this guy, and it's probably tough to admit of someone you burned a top three pick on, but he looks like someone who should just be coming off the bench and trying to pound second units. Like, imagine what a younger Al Jefferson could be in this NBA. Like, the Pacers are trying to turn him into that, and he's just, he's too old. And, and like, maybe Okafor can't even be that. He needs to improve upon his rim protection, his defensive recognition, needs to become a better passer, but maybe that's his role and that's something the Sixers need to accept, or you have to find a team, and I don't believe there's one out there no. that's going to build the offense around him. Right. Like those, are, said, those are the two yeah. options. I said before the season I thought his ideal role would be coming in as, like, a second-unit anchor when you need Embiid to get a breather. I still don't know if that's even feasible, though, because, who, like, again, who are you pairing with him at the four, and what do you do about his defense? Uh, there's just so many questions. I think... If you can survive with him for 20 minutes a game, like pounding away and, you know, he can go to work like he has awesome footwork and I don't know, he can create for himself really easily. But also he stalls the offense because he's not a great screener. He's not the best role man. Like, I, do you know who you could have paired with him in the second unit at the four? Who? Jeremy Grant. I'm just saying that w- that would have worked. You know what, though? OK, I'll <laughs> say this, though. I miss Jeremy a lot because he was really fun. I mean, I hated him every time he put the ball on the floor because he can't dribble in a straight line, really. But I really, really give Colangelo props for pulling the trigger on that trade because Ilyasova has been really good with Embiid. They actually are one of the few two-man pairings that has a positive Which, 
plus minus. Or they're, I think they're plus four points per but 100 who gives? Who gives a crap? Like, Ilyas <laughs> I do because be free, they can space the floor. Ilyas is going to be a free agent. You have to pay him, but you also have Simmons and Sarek and Rachon Holmes on the roster. Like, that's what? true. I, I, but they it got, at least they got like a, a first round it, pick that's going to end up being a second round pick, yeah. right? So I guess there's that. I, but like, Cool, Ilya Sova spaces the floor now. Are you going to give him $12, $15 million a year this summer? No, I would never pay him that much. But, no, but, all right. So I guess I'll revise it. I give him credit. I give Colangelo credit for staying true to his goal, which was not exactly the best. But he was like, (laughs) we're aiming. I mean, listen, you can argue it. But he was like, listen, we're aiming to improve and win games this year. And they recognized they needed a floor spacer next to him in that lineup. And they've actually been okay. Like, Ilyasova has been arguably, I mean, outside of Embiid, their best offensive player. He does his job. He does it well. Like, he can't, I mean, his feet are slower than Okafor's on defense, but he does shoot well. He spaces the floor. He plays, like, under control. He makes more sense if you don't have that pile up up front already. Like, you just... That's true. Couldn't you argue that you need to get rid of both? Okafor and Nerlens Noel. Oh, a hundred percent. Because when Simmons comes back, you are then you have him and Saric, and that's probably all you really need. And is, I think Rashawn Holmes is just better. I love Holmes, right? But yeah. Right. So like, you could couldn't you argue that hey, he's your backup five, and then you have Saric and Simmons, and then you can talk about keeping Ilyasova on the roster long term. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was gonna say also you can use Ilyasova as proof that that's just kind of. Also, the mold, like they're seeing that it works. You need a guy with that general skill set to maybe throw in the mix um, to keep some semblance of floor balance. Because again, I think floor balance will probably be another issue when Simmons comes back, right? Right. And he's, I mean, we talk about, listen, not to knock Simmons, I think he's going to be great, but we talk about pairing Okafor and Embiid together and how Okafor is pretty useless without the ball. But like Simmons is going to be the point guard, he's ball dominant. And I know it'll be different because he'll be feeding Embiid. At much higher rates than Okafor does, but he's ball dominant and by all indications doesn't have a lot of range yet. That's why you also shouldn't have him at point guard because you today's NBA, you, you unless you have freaking Russell Westbrook, you need someone who could play more off the ball and shoot. And Simmons isn't there yet. Right. You can justify putting him at the four, um, you know, and being that situational guy who initiates the offense and then you still yeah. feed and beat and you have an actual point guard. And I don't like the idea of him defending point guards full-time. I don't really like the idea of him defending small forwards all the time either, but right now that's where that's where this is headed. And yeah. So It's almost like having a healthy Jared Bayless would have been really great for them, but... No. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> so what... Noel, like, you talk about how they could keep him, re-sign him, try and move Okafor, but like, this feel has like an Eric Gordon circa Hornets feel to it Mm -hmm. Pelicans feel where he wanted to leave and they matched him anyway and like that marriage never really worked out like is this something Noel doesn't look bad on the bench he doesn't seem like he's pissed all the time with his teammates but if you move Okafor is that does that just solve this like is that is that your solution you'd rather see Okafor go I don't think that's a complete solution but I think it's at least a like somewhat positive step I would much prefer to keep Noel one because Embiid said he's his best friend on the team, and I'd like Joel to be happy. But uh, but two, <laughs> I, he actually you can actually pair him. <laughs> you can, did you see that yesterday? Yes. <laughs> but two, like you can actually conceivably pair him with him, and defensively it makes sense. Nerlens can guard. I mean, Brett said he wants to keep 
Joel by the basket as a rim protector. And I like, you can't argue that. So then you move Nerlens to the four and he can actually guard on the perimeter. Is it where he's best suited? Probably not, but he can switch. He has the lateral quickness to switch. He has really proved that can wreak some havoc. And you can at least work with that. I know he still has terrible offensive deficiencies, but his redeeming qualities are way more, um, I don't know, they're way more flattering next to Embiid than Okafor's are, I would say. You still, I guess you won't run into as many problems on offense, though, because um, Noel will set good screens high while Joel's down low and he'll pass. And he's, but he's never, he's never developed as a good pick and roll diver. Like, it's yeah, his hand, his hands have never been the best, but he's at least a more. Would you say he's a more functional dive man than Okafor? Well, yeah, but right, right. <laughs> Okafor so, looks like he wears cinder blocks for shoes. So I'm saying, if we're talking about a guy, even if you didn't pair them together in the starting lineup, if you're starting Simmons at the four and you bring Nerlens off the bench, like I'd have more confidence in him as your backup center. Who's sometimes than I would Okafor because at least you know that you're not going to be see- like you're not going to be seeping points on the other end. Which I think that would be the optimal solution. Dump Okafor. Like at this point, like I I don't know. You obviously don't want to just burn through a top three pick like that, but he like just get rid of him. Like find maybe maybe Dallas will throw you just something. Like I don't even know who they don't even like. Anything. At the, would you take Wesley Matthews for Jaleel Okafor at this point? You, you think they would do that? No, I don't. But <laughs> I mean, I would do it bad contract and all and his bum Achilles. But we, we were talking about this earlier. But would you say that it's or would you say that it's fair to state that Okafor's trade value is lower than Nerland's is give even though Nerland's has problems with public perception i mean 100 percent because right this is where the nba is trending right now and i think a lot of people take this to mean that centers aren't as valuable and it's just that the center position has changed right so a certain type of center just isn't as valuable you want a demarcus cousins carl anthony towns or chris stops first and foremost the center who you can, left out you left out joel but who? i'll assume <laughs> um <laughs> you, and joel because you want guys who can space the floor and be defensive anchors, kind of fast and loose using DeMarcus Cousins as a defensive anchor, but he passes, and when he tries on defense, he's really, really good. Um, You want them. And then after them, you want guys who can be defensive anchors, protect the rim, not really have an issue defending multiple positions, and then on offense, if they're not going to space the floor, be a pick-and-roll diver. Be the DeAndre Jordan, the Clint Clint Capella. And Nerlens Noel has that ceiling. Like he Wouldn't you say, that. yeah, he, I've he, all, so I think, and then you have the bruising traditional bigs where some teams have, could probably make it work. Charlotte did a good job of it with Al Jefferson. Uh, I, I think Nerlens, I always compared to like, I guess during the first year that he played, I always compared him to like, I was like, he could be like a poor man's Tyson Chandler. He could even like, I don't think he'll ever be that good, but like, you that's his skill set. Right. Well, I don't know. Tyson was such a good rim protector, and he was awesome on the offensive glass too. But he which I don't think Nerlens is. I mean, he didn't blossom until like that prime was almost over. Like Noel That's, seems like he he definitely. You could argue, I guess, maybe he has some attitude problems, and there was that rumor with what he did to a house that he was renting. That was like the most disgust, yeah. one of the most disgusting things I've ever read. But but like he hasn't been in the best situation, and I think he's shown he can be a defensive anchor. On a really bad team, and like well, he's the already, Sixers were like good defensively, 
uh, his rookie season. He was like they were a like a top. They were like a top twelve defensive team, right? And he had one. Didn't he have one of the top like uh, defensive box score plus minuses his rookie season? He was like he was way Ever. up there. It was like, and he was, <laughs> and I think even now he's he's like the only one. Or there's another guy I wrote about this who has averaged to this point in as many minutes in games as many steals and blocks per game. Oh yeah, as no like it's just ridiculous. Yeah, he has almost an equal no, – no, he has more steals than blocks over the course of it, which is crazy to think about because he's an elite rim protector. And, you know, guys his size don't normally generate steals. No. Yeah, so I, if they could find a way to jettison Okafor, I just don't know – like, what's his trade value? What, what do you accept for him? For who? For Okafor. If, you, if they determine, which I don't think they will because they seem pretty set in their ways, but if you say, okay, we realize this Okafor thing's not going to work out – um, and we need to part ways. Like what? Like just to get him off the roster. What do you say? This is the minimum we're willing to accept. <laughs> I have no idea because I'm going through. You're like, the trade the machine guru, right? Who needs? <laughs> it's like, not even a matter of that it's like right. Like does does Orlando want to play him at point guard? Like I just don't. <laughs> their I, glut. Their glut is maybe the only one worse than the Sixers, right? I think. Would the Hornets be willing to take him for, like, Jeremy Lamb? And I think that might even be too much. But that's the, probably the best return that you're looking at. Because the Hornets just re-signed Cody Zeller. Do we, well, also, they have – I mean, Hibbert's only under contract for what? One year. But they also have Kaminsky, right. um, who hasn't and they been have great. The, they have the god Spencer Hawes. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> so is it getting to that point? Though, you know, and I think maybe Portland might be able to be sold on him just because. Portland? Yeah. But Okafor doesn't pass or defend. And I don't look right, for I was, a guy that does at least two of score, pass, and defend. And Okafor does one, which is the problem I think they have with that's everybody. Why I think, that's why I think Portland could bite on Nerlens because he can pass. He's a good passer when, he's, when he actually gets the ball in the high post. He has good vision. He's always proved that he could pass from the baseline, too. Like, He's been solid. I just wonder what Portland gives up because we talked about this earlier, but like even if they traded Alan Crabb and freed up some of those wing minutes, like what about Evan Turner? Don't (laughs) please don't start with me. Um, Because because even then they're offloading the money, but they're going to have to pay Nerlens in the summer anyway, if they want to keep. Would the Celtics give up like a low, low end first round pick for Okafor and use him as that guy off the bench behind Horford? That would be something to consider. It's interesting. I, I mean, wouldn't do it if Brad I was them. Stevens, Brad Stevens can fix seemingly anyone, so I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I mean, it'd be a good experiment. I wonder if – this is probably a stretch too, but like, do you think like Miami would gamble on him behind Whiteside? No. You got no, to stop. Whiteside's already complaining about crunch time touches. You want to throw Okafor into that mix? No, you just don't play Okafor during crunch time ever. The Sixers don't. Well, okay, so that brings me to the other point is that ideally, I think you move Okafor and you use Noel. Like, yeah, he can play with Embiid, but like you use him as that 25, yep. you know, 23, 25 minute per game backup five. How do you get someone like him to buy into that? Because he could clearly start elsewhere. He, I will it's, say it's the this. same problem with Okafor is that he probably doesn't want to come off the bench. These guys are young. Nerlens has been very vocal about, like, I mean, he, uh, he, was really vocal about it after the Lakers team. He's like, I played eight minutes. This is garbage. Like, I should be playing more than this. We need to figure it out. And he said it on media days, too. I mean, he hasn't been shy about it. Okafor has at least been, like, a team player from that regard. 
he seems to have bought into it. He doesn't really say any, he doesn't say anything that hurts the team really. No, he just like, drives really fast. No, he just <laughs> yeah, well that too, and punches people. But yeah, um, yeah. I, you think the Knicks want Okafor? No. <laughs> you guys want Noah? No, Philly no, wants thank Noah. You. That, I'll I take mean, that's Kyle, the issue. I would gladly take Kylo Quinn though. Look, with Okafor, <laughs> I don't think you move him unless you're prepared to just dump him. Like you're, again, like I think, you're dumping him for like a contract, like not even a contract, like an expiring and like a second round pick, right? Like would, that's what you're getting. Would you for take him? Tyreek Evans for him right now? Like maybe the Pelicans are willing to honestly, just experiment maybe. With Okafor? Just, yeah, but so. <laughs> So maybe if the Pelicans are willing to experiment with Davis and Okafor, like, and that's not a trade I like for either side, but is it is that the point where we're at with Okafor? Is that you have to, you have, it's like you said, his trade value is lower than Noel. You're not it's, moving Okafor yeah. unless you just want to dump him. Yeah. I, and I used to think there was something you could maybe do with one of them with Phoenix too. Phoenix, what is... What is everyone's obsession I, with sending a big to Phoenix? I, like they well, have they, so many. they have too many bigs as it is, but it's because they have all these guards and these ball dominant guards, and people are like, "Well, the Sixers need one," so it's like seemingly a good match, but it'll never happen. Uh, I, I would take Brandon Knight in a heartbeat, though. I don't think I think that trade is murder for the Suns. Like it's just <laughs> that's how hard it is to find a fit. Again, you could dump him. Like Dallas might be willing to throw you. Like I don't even know what their second round pick commitments are, but like that's the return you're looking at. Like you're not. I think the highest you can expect to get right now is a top. And I, I feel like I might be being ambitious. Is in terms of player, Jeremy Lamb might be your ceiling. I would take him. You know what I'm still mad about? You brought this up with Dallas, and I was thinking about. Guys, I would love to see swapped. I'm still. Why did they not pursue Seth Curry? Oh, I, the Sixers. Did, why didn't the yeah, Knicks pursue Seth Curry? That I mean. So would you? Maybe maybe Dallas would do that. Maybe they don't view Seth Curry as a long term piece. His contracts with Seth Curry for Okafor, and that's like if that's your player ceiling. And then in terms of pick, maybe you get a top twenty. I would. I, I would give. I would give Okafor, and I would give a pick to get Seth Curry. <laughs> I swear. I'm no. I'm being dead serious. But that. So that brings us to Brian Colangelo, who said he won't just make a trade for the sake of making a trade, and yet that's where he seems to be with both of. That's the position he's put himself in after. And I get maybe he's saying that he's like, look, I can take a hard line stance publicly, and I'm not gonna. You know, like maybe these teams will offer more. No, that's not that's not how this is going to work. Especially when he Noel's not playing. Like Okafor isn't playing well, so like this is well. Good... And the way he phrased it too. Did you see? You know how Brett said Nerlens is out of the rotation, and then Brian was like, this is, Brian this was is like, not a benching. Well, he goes, he goes. Brett was upset with how his words were twisted, like or interpreted, not twisted, because <laughs> he did say he's out of the rotation. He said, he said. You know, Nerlens is out of the rotation right now. We could experiment with different pairings. And then people ask, does that mean Jaleel could then be out of the rotation for a few games if you guys experiment? But that just leads you to, if you're going to keep experimenting, like, it's pretty clear what works and what doesn't. What works is everything without Okafor, and what doesn't work is everything with him, right? right. And I, I think it, <laughs> if you're going to keep all three and really, like, buy it, like, if we're and you're going to have what an eleven face, man rotation, right? Like you, the only the only potential solution, and it's just is getting Okafor to buy into a fifteen minute role off the bench, and you start Noel with Embiid, and you hope, and then you never let Okafor on the court without one of when he's healthy, Ben Simmons, Noel, or Embiid. But we've already seen that pairing Okafor with either of those bigs is bad. It's like and yeah. that, that's the catch twenty two of all this is. There's not like 
Well, you bring him in the second unit and you just make sure he always plays with who? Like, it just it hasn't worked with anyone. But I, I think if they're not going to move anyone and they really want to give this a chance, it has to be that. Like, it's Noel and Embiid start. They play the lion's share, the minutes up front. And then you have to get Okafor to just buy into that severely diminished role. And maybe he's probably the easier one to sell on it. But now you're looking at a point, though, where Nerlens Noel is probably going to get Alan Crabb money this year, maybe maybe less because of his health history. Someone's going to pay. Well, I wonder, yeah, part of me wonders if his health, like, I don't think he'll get paid the same as Festus, but do you think, like, around that, like, Festus had knee surgery and, like, he had serious health problems. Nerlens has a torn ACL on his rap sheet and he had this small surgery now, like... No- He's clearly not. I would say Noel's he's definitely getting injured. eight figures. Like I don't think I don't think that unless he like unless the reason he's not playing well, is his health. Is anyone not getting eight figures? Well, we said that last <laughs> summer and Festus didn't. I'm saying like if Festus got yeah. seven or eight or whatever it was, mm-hmm. like how is Noel not getting fifteen? Like I'm just because we've seen him like in action protract like in protracted action and, and he's been yeah. very good. I'd say yeah. Yeah, Festus. This is making seven point four ish, right? Do you know or seven point five ish on average for the Knicks? You know, if they really wanted another big, instead of paying jo- Joakim Noah up the ass, they could have tried to poach Noel from Philly and the Kristaps Noel pairing. While I still think Kristaps is a better five, would have made far more sense than this Joakim yeah. Noah. Anyway, but you know what would have been great is if Hinky had just drafted Kristaps in the first place, and we never had to deal with this. Could you imagine him beating Kristaps <laughs> on the same team? <laughs> No. Like, I just don't... Maybe you don't have Simmons, though. Like, because Kristaps was good last year. Yeah. Like, maybe you don't. Yeah, I don't think you get Simmons out of it, but it honestly might maybe be Maybe you do, though. Like, who... Like, Embiid was still injured last year. Noel was, like, only okay. Ah, you probably don't. You're right. Noel and Kristaps probably... Like, the offense might not have been... At, and maybe Kristaps wouldn't have been good, though. Like, Melo helps a lot with in terms of drawing defenses away, still. So, but, yeah, he should have... But Kristaps was smart. He didn't want to be part of this logjam. His agents weren't they like avoiding yeah. the Sixers like the play? Yeah, there was. A, yeah, there was that. Uh, Woj published that piece. Um, I want to say last winter, basically saying that his agents steered him clear of Philadelphia. They wanted no part of it, and well, I'm sure that. I'm sorry, that's smart. I mean, the Sixers. Oh, you can smart. argue Hinky should have taken him anyway and tried to work it out later, but yeah. like, you don't want to deal with bad blood from right. the start. And let's not. Yeah. I'm sorry, but let's not pretend. You know, we disparage general managers when they're quote unquote behind the eight ball. I think you were saying that Bill Simmons was like He said yeah. today, yeah, they could have had the triple unicorn. Right. Which is they picked MCW above Giannis, they picked Chris Stapps. Um or they picked Okafor above Chris Stapps and they have Embiid, so they no could have had all three, but Giannis was gonna be as good as no. he is now. I remember going to the rookie photo shoot that year and someone from the NBA told me that no one knows how good this kid is gonna be and it's funny. So like that guy was right. But, but it was perceived like, as a reach. Yeah, at the time. Giannis wasn't like on teams' radar. Like he was, it, he for all we for all other teams could have thought this would have been a Bruno Caboclo situation where he's right. just in Toronto taking up space that hasn't really amounted to anything. So I don't want to put Porzingis in that same category because one fans and and even writers and they they tend to get uncomfortable when you're talking about guys coming from overseas because they don't know as much about them. Um, but like Phil Jackson of the Knicks would have taken Okafor if he was there. 
Like it oh, just hundred percent. The Lakers probably considered taking Okafor at number two. People thought Okafor was going to be. Phil, didn't Phil have to be talked into taking Chris yeah, Stapps? I think that's what yeah. the report was. And yeah. let's not forget that Okafor spent like a good chunk of the year as the absolute top prospect of that draft. Yeah. So like you can't. It's not that you're defending Hinky's decision, but it's not like he made this just like move that every other team wasn't already prepared to make. Like there mm-hmm. are. Probably most of the teams in the league would have made that pick if they were in that position. Granted, it would have come down to team need, but him and Porzingis play the same position. And it was even like that when people criticizing the Lakers for not drafting Porzingis at number two. Like, that would have been perceived as as a huge reach. There were people that didn't think he should have been in the top five. I remember writing something, and, like, my bold prediction was that Porzingis will go in the top five. And, like, that turned out to be, like, one of the stupidest bold And it was considered an upset when they took Russell over Okafor. Remember, it wasn't right. So I'm saying, like, the Lakers probably, yeah. yeah. Conventional wisdom for months was they're taking Okafor, the Lakers are a big man franchise, this is how it's going to go, X, Y, Z, and then they flipped in the last week and they took Russell. Yeah, so I'm not about, like, going after Hinky for that. Like, I don't think he deserves to be... He could yeah. have went another route entirely and just not drafted a big. Like, we could be yeah. talking about, like, you know, Mario Hazonia might be fun in Philly, even though he's I was actually of... just about to bring him up. I was going to say, what would it take the Sixers to trade for him right now? Because he's in the doghouse. I think the Magic need another big. <laughs> Perfect. Um, um, or Stanley Johnson. He's in the doghouse, too. Um, you know what would be interesting? Like, Covington and Thompson for Hazonia or Stanley. I don't know if the Pistons would do That's that. That's a lot for Hazonia. I don't think I would do that if I was on – maybe I'm over. I'm overrating them probably a lot, but – Well, I think it's just because their draft cachet. Like, they're so early into yeah, their careers and they were drafted in the top ten. or. But I know that five. Covington, for all of his woes, and Hollis yeah, are, like, are functionally, are yeah. functionally very strong three-point shooters, and Covington's a good defender. You can go with Sean Holmes – and maybe Thompson for Stanley Johnson. I that piece Detroit's would, interest. I would go. I would go after Stanley Johnson hard. I know he has attitude problems, and SVG's been Dude, ripping. He gets inside LeBron's head. He's allowed to have attitude problems. <laughs> yeah, um, that was probably that was probably the first sign that he had attitude problems. <laughs> but so I feel I feel like we've kind of run in circles though. What is the solution? Like what what is like. <laughs> Like, actually, can you map it out for me? Like, what is – and it, it can't necessarily be ideal, but, like, what, what needs to happen from here for the Sixers with this front court logjam? You're saying what do I think needs to happen or what is you going even, to not happen? Even, what actually just – like, what is the resolution here? Like, is it actually well, – like, it bugs me, one, that if, they, if they're trying to trade Noel, like, you need to play him to drum up his value. Like, he can't really right. hurt it. But – what is the, is it just standing pat and re-signing him and then trying to flip him later? Is it giving away then, Okafor because for then nothing? you're dealing with the then you're dealing with the you're dealing with another like sour attitude in the locker room. And Tim Bontemps wrote this the other day, but like he was saying they have like sort of an obligation as an organization to like morally to maybe trade him. Like they're not doing right by him throwing doghouse right which i also get because he's the one who's endured all the losing he's been here through the entire thing it's been miserable right he was the start of this they hasn't they weren't they not but i mean there's stuff that he's done wrong too like not being around the team when he's injured right and that sends a bad message also to potential trade partners 
Right. The optics just don't look good. They are doing him a disservice in the sense that if he was actually playing, and I know he was injured to start the year, but if he's not, even if he is playing, like whatever role he's in, isn't going to be the optimal role for him because right. Joel Embiid is there, which I get. Like Joel Embiid is the shiz not, but they're costing him money. Like even if yeah. the team is going to reach for him, there's a chance that he could have gotten. He probably wouldn't have been a max deal candidate with the way that the game is going. But like if he was playing center and being used as the the guy that he was being used as in 2014, 2015, or even last year, they're costing him money because he's yeah. not he's not producing. Right. And, and I then, think that's. Yeah, I but, think that's part of what Bontemps is saying, too. Whatever I, he costs, though, is like, why would the Sixers want to pay it? Like, Because now, yes, you have the flexibility, but now you have money, a lot of money, invested in this flawed blueprint. I don't think, I can't see a, I can't see a world in which, say they hold on to him through the trade deadline, I don't see a way in which they can possibly re-sign him without, with Okafor still on the roster. You can't do it. In, unless the plan is like next December to flip him and um, Thompson's still under contract, right? Next year. Um, it's Covington. That's yeah, the free exactly. agent or one of them. Maybe both of them are still under team control. Uh, you flip him and one of them for Alan Crabb, maybe. And then that saves like the Blazers some money, like under Thompson's his new contract. Free agent, but so um, you flip him and Covington for like, I, I don't even know if that's a good solution. Like it's, you also, part of me wonders if if the Lakers stay at the current pace they're at, we have to remember the Sixers are going to get their draft pick, and that's going to be a lottery pick somewhere in what the six to ten range. You think? It's yeah, I mean, it could be. It's, what is it? Is it top five or top three? It's protected? top three protected. The, yeah, I mean, it, it could the be protections fifth. diminished. Yeah. So okay, like... so so part of me wonders if they then try to package that pick with one of the bigs or maybe that, you know, and they'd roll something out there and try and alleviate the log jam that way. But that's, again, you're waiting through the trade deadline and that would be a good way to move Okafor and get, well, value. you can't do it. Well, you can't do it with Nerlens. You right. have to, right. Unless you're going to just wait on, a, for that, on that player and then flip no Noel with that player in December. Right. Um, but that um, would be, that would probably be a good way to get value out of mm-hmm. Okafor because it would, I think that okay, have here's the scenario, and I, I don't know, like, if you're, if you're with a top five pick, let's say that's what the Sixers get from the Lakers, like, even yeah. if, it, if it's, maybe, ideally it has to be fourth, if you go Okafor and fifth, Okafor and fourth, to get the number one pick from Dallas. And you still have what your own, you still have number two also, because they're going to have, like, two or three. All right, so then maybe you trade your own <laughs> pick in Okafor, like, is that, would that be a decent enough return to move, maybe not move up a spot. So you're right. But like, if you could trade that Lakers pick in Okafor to get, let's say the Mavericks and a lot of things have to unfold here because the Mavericks. Yeah. Well, do you think Sixers Dallas even does that? The number like, one pick. But right. Like, so even if Dallas has two and you have the Lakers at five or six, would Dallas do Okafor and that five well, or six I, for their own pick? Well, we were just saying that Okafor has next to no value. Like, do you think that he moves the needle enough? But they could. Dallas has the. Yeah, they. Uh, that's true. I mean, they're. I think I read. They have a functional use for him, and it wouldn't be asking them to take. I a think, huge... and Rick Carlisle can turn anyone into a good pick and roll finisher. That's also true. Um, I am kind of thinking about Dirk Nowitzki and Okafor on the court at the same time. Well, Dirk might me. be retiring, but right. But and if he doesn't, you have a year of that, and you can bring. Yeah. You know what? You can still bring 
Okafor along slowly, I suppose. And again, I think it depends upon where everyone's pick lands. But if you're the Mavericks, like, and say it's the difference between going from four to two, maybe that's a big deal for the Sixers. And to the Mavericks, it's like, you know, now we have two top prospects to go with, you know, some of these other interesting uh, Justin Anderson, uh, Dorian that we have. Like, maybe they look at it that way. And again, it depends upon if they believe that Okafor can be like an offensive focal point, but that would be something interesting to explore. But if you're the Sixers, though, even if you got rid of Okafor, how do you invest in Nerland's Noel long-term? Like, you need to, I guess you you really then need to invest the rest of this season in seeing how he plays alongside Embiid. Like, that needs to happen. Like that's oh, you the have only to. Way. I th- and I think that's what they should be doing because it's like killing two birds with one stone. One, you see if it's a functional pairing long-term, if it's viable. And two, you can showcase him for trade value. Right? Yeah. It's like, whereas the, <laughs> whereas the alternative is you don't get any sample size out there and you're not helping his trade value because there's no showcase. So... I- I don't know. I, the, the only interesting thing, like, would it like imagine what you could get maybe next year, like with with Noel's new salary and your own first round pick, like, and you could throw maybe like you're gonna have all these other pieces that might have the makings of a blockbuster. Yeah, I, the other thing I keep thinking about is if they don't trade one of those picks and they do have two top ten picks, like this roster is already so. <laughs> It's like it's a log jammed seemingly everywhere. They already have so many players. And I know they sign guys to short term deals, but like you're going to add two more young talents. Something tells me they have. Haven't we been talking about since the process started? Like, well, eventually they're going to package the assets for a superstar. This is all going to be like when Daryl Morey traded for Harden. Hinky was part of the, you know, framework that, like, I, I know he- Hinky's not there anymore, but like you'd think that same framework is still somehow in their plans, right? I don't know who the superstar is, who you target. I mean, is it Paul George? It's predicated on who becomes available, though. Right. And and especially now, because it's going to be so hard for players to leave teams. I think John Wall is eventually going to hit the trade block. It's not going to be this year, because he has two years. And that would be an ideal target. Although, this is finally the draft where they're supposed to get a point guard. So then you're stunting development. Now is what I'm saying. But, like, after... Like, he's eventually going to be available. So maybe maybe that's someone you kind of chase. But obviously, if Paul George was... Uh, was ever hit the chopping block maybe next season before his free agency. But even then, you know. But now that he can be the designated player and he can make, I mean, do you think. Does he want to stay in Philly, though? And that's that's the other thing (laughs) that's asking, though. Like, John Wall could be easily swayed because he just wants his face on billboards. Philly can make that happen and he'll re-up. I don't know. No one will ever be more beloved than Embiid. He honestly might be playing second fiddle. I'm being dead serious. (laughs) Could you imagine the pick and rolls between those two? Oh, it would be awesome. Think about what Wall does for Marcin Gortat. Imagine what Embiid's going to do next to him. I know. So, I think he'd be good with Nerlens too, frankly. But well, yeah, I guess that's fair. He might even be. He might even be good with Okafor. Mm. (laughs) I'm not going to go that far. So to be clear, you're of the mind that the Sixers should just dump Okafor and move forward with Noel and Embiid. At some point, aren't they? Okay, if we're of the belief that they're going to sell one of these two guys for pennies on the dollar, shouldn't it be Okafor before Noel, right? That's basically where I'm... Again, the only appeal is that... 
Yeah. Is they have to look at the future contract value. I mean, I agree with you. I would probably get rid of both of them over the next year, to be honest. That's um, I would I would be fine with that, especially once Simmons is healthy. But I think if we're talking short term this year, which seems I mean, to be even the if you're talking long term, I, I think it's you dump Okafor, and if you're not willing to admit that it was a mistake to draft him, you move Noel for as much as you can get him because there will be suitors out there for Noel. We were just talking about the Rockets right. need someone to replace Capella. I don't know what they give you, um, but the Blazers would probably give up something. Um, yeah depending on what they think Noel is going to command uh, in free agency. So there are teams out there that, that would go after him. You know where Noel would be great? And I don't know what they trade for him, but if you could get Noel as the backup to Gobert in the withy spot in Utah. Yeah, would... What do you want these people paying their backups? <laughs> like, that's just like. I'm just ta- listen. I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking long term. I'm, <laughs> I'm very short sighted. I'm talking about right, like conceptually. <laughs> it would be awesome. I know they are, their books are already so packed, and they're gonna have trouble paying all their yeah. guys. But Toronto would to be interesting for Noel, and they might be willing to pay him. I don't know how I'd feel about them paying both Valanciunas and Noel though. Yeah. Um, what do you think you pay? Well. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, it's probably a harder sell as Noel's a power forward there because Siakam's, like, legitimately been good for them, and Patterson's been great, too. I mean, right. Uh, and you have Sullinger in the pipeline whenever he's healthy. Right. I, I think the like, bigger concern for them would be the Valanciunas pairing. Um, right. And he's even tough to move. He's on a great contract, and, and the Raptors kind of have a quasi, like, blockbuster trade package there when you just look at Terrence Ross and Norman Powell and Jonas Valanciunas and all I like, the first-round yeah. picks. I would love either. I would love Ross or Powell on the Sixers. I really like Norman Powell. Um, I just don't. I don't think there's anyone on the Sixers that. I don't think you can jump up the guys. value enough. Yeah. Um, I would like to see. I don't know where I'd like to see Noel. I don't even want to see him on Portland because, as we segue to this league-wide talk, I was just discuss, I was discussing this with someone. This summer, knowing how the Kings are, Portland could make a really good play. For Demarcus Cousins, if he's still that's on the interesting. Roster. What do you think it takes to get him though? If you build an offer, because again, if I'm the Kings, I want picks, which the Blazers don't really have. Right. But if you build an offer around Myers Leonard and C.J. McCollum, the um, irony of trading Cousins for Myers after last right, night was I was actually <laughs> thinking that is like as bizarre as anything. Um, and you maybe you throw in Noah Vonleh, um, and you'll have a pick to give. Um, you could trade too, but I don't know if the Kings will be interested in something so far down the line. Like that's not, if the Kings are looking to just bring in the next guy who might be a franchise cornerstone, that's not a bad offer. Again, you'd rather have the picks like the, build build that deal around Jake Lehman. That guy's a superstar. You could throw him in, (laughs) but the Blazers could make a very competitive (laughs) offer for him. I think I'm not, No, I I think you're right. And then you get rid of McCollum who's great, but now all of a sudden Evan Turner can play on the ball more. You can run pick and rolls with DeMarcus and him. You can run Dame off more screens. Because Portland, I get why Portland doesn't play CJ and Dame off the ball more. But at the same time, it's like, then why did you sign Evan Turner? I, I'll be asking that question for the next four years. It, <laughs> it makes no I, – I said it – I mean, we all said it at the time, but like – in what world did it make sense? Turner's only functional on the ball, and I know Lillard and McCollum can play off the ball, but like, it just it makes no sense. Um, <laughs> the other idea there, though, is, and that would kind of have to happen, that would be like a this-season thing, 
is Turner just isn't a fit in Portland. Like, maybe the Kings, desperate as they are wanting to keep Cousins, do you offer Kufos, McLemore, and Gay in exchange for Turner and Harkless? I was going to say, where does Rudy Gay wind up? Because, I mean, he's getting moved at the deadline, right? He said he's opting out. Like, you have to move The Kings are obsessed with ending their playoff drought. And Gay has been him, Cousins, and Garrett Temple are the only ones who are making above-average contributions on both sides of the ball. And the Kings are, they're a game back of that eighth seed. If they're still within striking distance, like, I don't know that they move him because they're upset. They, I as honestly a, as believe As a Sixers that, fan who saw its team go after eight seeds, like, they were gold, like, no, just don't. Yeah, but do, like, the Kings haven't made get, the playoffs since 2006. I'm not, oh, I'm not defending they're gonna, it. So, so, yeah, so, but, so then the logic from their end is, Okay, we're going to get trounced by the Warriors by 30 points a game in the first round and for, this the is make we, stay. for the sake of saying we made it <laughs> in our first year in our new arena. DeMarcus will want to stay. Also, we didn't max out Rudy Gay's value when we could have. Right. Like, so, <laughs> like I, just, I, don't know, I don't know what you're getting for him in a straight-up deal, but it's like it, better than just keeping him but, and saying you got the, the AC. Like, right. I, <laughs> so that deal to me would be interesting if you went Kufos, McLemore, and Gay for uh, Harkless and... Um, Turner because Turner doesn't have value right now. So Harkless is he's more than a wheels greaser, but you're getting back. Granted, Gay and Macklemore are going to be on some types of free agency this year, but Kufos is on a steal of a contract that kind of makes letting Mason Plumley go a little bit easier this summer. Um, or maybe you can. There, there's there seems like something workable there because the Kings you're trading Gay, but if you get back Harkless and Turner, maybe you view Turner as like the point guard. Because it's not Darren Collison, it's not it's not really Ty Lawson. It it doesn't seem like a great move for either team because Harkless has been so good for the Blazers. But you have Aminu, and that if you want to keep both CJ and Dame, like Turner's just not going to work there. So maybe Harkless is, and you have to cut payroll anyway. So maybe it's just worth it, like for a different look. Can we find a new home for Willie Cauley Stein too? Yeah, I mean, he'll. Why doesn't he go to Houston? He'd be fun there. He'd be fun well, in Toronto would, too. It makes me sad because I really thought he would be exactly like Nerlens, but he's been not. Well, he hasn't really had a chance. He's been. He hasn't no, he looked hasn't. bad I, defensively, like in terms of just effort. No, but he has. But around. he hasn't been as good as I thought he was going to be in terms of like being versatile and switching out and being able to like st- like just stick with guys and pick and rolls and like be able to basically like embrace the positionless thing if they were just going to be like, all right, you can go out there and fly around. You can guard whoever. You remember and when we'll... everyone went bonkers because he was shooting threes like in his draft workouts? Yes. Like he, he took like forever to shoot them and there were no defenders, but he was just, he was swishing threes. I was like, oh my God, Willie Cauley Stein has three-point range. And it's like, you know, maybe seven or eight years from now, but he's not going to come in the NBA and start chucking triples. Well... The counterpoint to that is, remember when Towns didn't do that at Kentucky and then in his pre-draft videos of shooting threes and everyone was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> this guy. But it just... He, it was different. It was different. Shot. It was like, really close time was even allowed to shoot at Kentucky. Like, yeah. it just wasn't like a... He barely it was, even played. Yeah. It was protect the rim, run the floor. So, yeah. I don't know, but th- that's an idea that's always been interesting to me. Um I don't really know if there's any other, like Paul George clearly isn't going anywhere now after the terms of the CBA. Like I think if he doesn't want the extension um, from Indy, that's like this summer, like they'll probably talk about that. And maybe that's when you discuss moving him, but he's not going to be available. There's just going to be, there's a dearth of star power. Cousins is the only gettable. 
I was going to say that the new, I mean, the new CBA seems to make it nearly, I don't want to say impossible, but it's like bordering on that to trade for a superstar now, like a true superstar, like a real cornerstone. But that's how you have to get him now is to trade for him because it's not going to happen. It's either the draft or trade because it's just, it doesn't doesn't seem like it's going to happen in free agency. So then saying, by saying that, aren't we saying it just incentivizes tanking more because it's like, well, these guys aren't going to hit free agency. And if they somehow do, they're certainly not going to be signing with smaller markets like Denver. Like Denver's not getting these guys. Philly's not getting these guys. Like Milwaukee's not getting them. Like you have to get everyone and grow them organically, right? At that point. That's a good point. Right? I mean, it's basically, and the owners are, you know, they cry about tanking. But like at this point, that you're basically saying, "Hey, guess what? Go get your guys through the draft." So may, maybe they're not the, signing in free agency. Maybe anymore. in the interim, though. But I guess there would be two upshots: is that it it might be a little bit harder to tank because you're not going to have just lost all these franchise like franchise players. Um, but the second That's part is, is that if you do lose a franchise player, your haul in a trade because the leverage, even if that guy's not on like his next contract, like the fact that you have the ability to, to offer him so much money, yeah. like that's going to hold value in trade talk. So the value you're getting back is probably going to be so high that it will expedite the rebuilding process. That's but true. That's an interesting short but I term. Just, yeah. Like if you're the Mavericks right now or like, you know. Right. How are you? Right. If you're one of those teams that's like kind of, or like even if you're a team that's the in like guy, purgatory. Yeah. Right. So if you're like, I'm tr- like, okay, what on earth? I ask this every year. What is Orlando doing? I have no idea. Like, Please why, tell why me. Why is Vucevic still there? <laughs> why is anyone there in the first place? That, their roster composition makes no sense. But then they're never quite bad enough. Like they'd have to win the lottery on like just a shot. Like because they're never quite bad enough to get the guy they need in the draft. They and they and no one signing there. They haven't drafted exceptionally well either. Like Oladipo was good, not great. Um, Alfred Payton is blah. Like, they're love, not even playing Mario Gordon. anymore. I love Gordon, but they don't use him correctly. Right, so it's like, they have, it seems like, a, I don't know why they traded for Ibaka and signed Biombo. I think you could have justified one of those moves, but even then, the Ibaka one seems a bit more justifiable when you have Vucevic there, because Biombo and Vucevic are never going to work. Like, they're like just, the bizarro Sixers because like Peyton in an alternate universe is on the Sixers. Do you know how it really there's should, an, <laughs> right, really like, should and be? Right. And Vucevic should be there. And like, it's just, and they have Jody Meeks. If who they I were going like. this route, it really should have been, you have Gordon and then you have Abaka or Biombo. Like right. that, like that. And I know that. Should, they that should be playing Gordon at the four, right? Or in agreement right. on that. Right, and I think if you put, I want to see Aaron Gordon on like the Blazers or the Raptors. I think he would play the five. Like, I think that that's maybe that's really not his long-term full position, but, like, he's he needs to be at the four or five. And he has so much spring that he just works as a rim protector. So he would be at the five. I'm, like, in, I'm indulging myself here, but he would be so fun as a four next to Embiid. Oh, my God. I would, that's, like, my ideal pairing. Yeah, why don't you see if they want Okafor for Gordon? Maybe that's a, <laughs> maybe that's a deal. Yeah, I'm sure they'll, they'll love rolling out the Biombo vucevic um, Okafor three-man at center. Do you know, oh. spe- speaking of centers, do you know what I've had in my head for probably longer than I would care to admit? Um, I kind of think the Pistons should consider trading Andre Drummond. Is, That's am interesting. I, like, am I batshit crazy? Well, like, if you could in, get... in, in hopes of getting what? They need a wing. 
they need what they they need an they need an alpha wing, right? Right. Like, what if you built an offer? Again, it have to be over the off season, I guess. And I I guess Detroit doesn't have all like the matching salaries, but imagine like I guess that doesn't work because Reggie Jack. Uh, even but if you put McCollum on that team, and you have KCP and Tobias Harris, and then you're running out maybe Ed Davis as your starting five, or you can get Myers Leonard, like. Like I'm just or Crab if you can get Crab. Drummond, yeah. Match. Now I'm thinking about Drummond with Lillard would be awesome. Right, and that seems like <laughs> the kind of center Portland wants. He, the problem with him though, he gets you rebounds. Um, he'll finish pick and rolls and he blocks shots, but his numbers they really don't seem to mean anything yet. Like no, they a, don't. There was a point this year, and I actually haven't looked in a while, but like Detroit's defense was just like worse with Drummond on the floor and there's a lot of noise when you play so many minutes but at the same time like for your franchise center that's not okay like th- that's do you th- yeah it's so kind like, of been like do you think that's been like the the narrative of like rebounds and blocks it's like being conflated with like effectiveness on defense I feel like that happens a lot but with him maybe more so right I think he's like the the modern day like ceiling of it like because we view yeah. him as like this this and again he has the numbers but Detroit's defensive rating yeah, right now. I'm, look, I'm is looking at it right 4. now. 4.4. Yeah. They let 107 points per 100 possessions with him. Which is, if you look at it, that's the third worst mark on the team behind Reggie and uh, Benege, who look, barely. And there's plays. a lot of noise there because the starting lineup was kind of a mess with Ishmith for a while, and that's where he spent a lot of playing time. But this isn't like a. Is it? It's not like an isolated thing. Like if you look at last year's numbers. Um, of their on and off stats, like the defense was better, but by less than a point per 100%. Or one, they also, let 102.3 points per 100 possessions with Drummond last year, and it was without him 105.7. But like that seems like a deficit that can be replaced when he's so limited to basically pick and rolls on the offensive end. The other thing I will say though is that if Detroit stopped like force feeding him in the post, where it, mm-hmm. where once he misses a shot, it seems to take him a little longer to get up the floor. Maybe mm-hmm. he would, his numbers on defense would be better. Maybe his numbers on offense would be even better. But you could, if you could turn him into a wing and a guy like just – I mean, you have Boban. He's probably not your starting center, but you have Lure, who could play some five. Mm-hmm. They love Aaron Baines. Like Stan Van Gundy's like hopelessly in love with Aaron Baines. But if you can get like an Ed Davis-type guy like or, or someone who's a little bit more low-key – and wouldn't cost as much while getting like an upgrade on the perimeter. Yeah. So I'm not totally out of my mind. Like I don't think it's, I'm surprised we haven't talked about and maybe it's because he's he's shown so much loyalty to the Pistons organization. Like he just waited and not that it mattered, but like he waited until he signed his offer sheet this year so that they could go out and spend money. Right. That's another team, like, not that they fit in the Orlando bucket necessarily because they did make the playoffs last year and, like, they do have a roster that makes sense. But they need shooting. Just there's so many teams. I just wonder what their ceilings are long term. Like, I wonder what I love Charlotte, but, like, what are we saying they cap out at ultimately? Right. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's just I'm doing it as much doesn't mean much. Right, and but I mean, on the one hand, sustained success is good, and if they could be a top four team in the East for the next three or four years, that's awesome. But at the same time, it's like there's a logical endpoint, and you're gonna have to realize what your fate is. I, it's just it's so tough the way the league is composed right now because you have 
the two, three superpowers, and right. then and you, that's everything the else is, that is it, basically an uphill battle. Unless for you're going to tank, like it sort of behooves you just to tread water and wait out those windows. Yeah. Especially like, like almost especially in the East, because I think when you look at the Warriors, like there's just probably more of an incentive in the West to, to tank. But like in the East, like LeBron's going to get older eventually, and there's all these teams that are mediocre, and some of them are going to fall off. If you can kind of, mm-hmm. like the Celtics... I'm a big fan of like them trading for a star, but at this point I'm like, you know, I don't want them trading Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, for, or Jay Crowder to get him. For right now, right. Because if you just hold on for a little while longer and, and then you get that star, then yeah. So yeah. like if you're gonna if, Well, and they're gonna get one because they have that Brooklyn pick. Well, that's what I'm saying, is like if you can get it for the picks alone, then it makes sense. But if you have to give up any of your core, like if if the Celtics traded for Paul George, let's say, and they had to give up both Brooklyn picks, Marcus Smart and Jay Crowder. Um, it does, they, it's not, it's are, not an unfair deal, but what is that the difference between ranking third and second? In the right, East? I was go, I was going to say, are they even the top team in the East at that point? No. no. So it's but LeBron is just amazing. But imagine, okay, so then say they don't trade the picks, say they win the lottery because that's well within the realm of possibility. They get Markel Fultz, and then you have just then not only do you have a superstar in the making plus your original roster, but then you also have trade leverage because if Fultz develops, then you can trade IT or whoever, and you're not losing a lot, and you can fill a pre-existing gap. I guess the only thing is, is after next season, so they still have some time, is that you have to like crap or get off the pot with Thomas and Bradley who need new contracts. That's true. So it's better to get the star now so that you can justify – like if they get a star power forward, like they're set. If they don't have to bring up, if they don't have to give up Bradley Crowder or IT, and then you mm-hmm. have Horford, so you can pay Bradley and Thomas, knowing that they'll probably be movable later later on. But in the meantime, you can yeah. invest in them, get rid of your flexibility. So it's they they can wait if they just want to tread water. Like you can go forward with this core. Hope you know one of Jalen Brown, Smart. Olenek, your two Brooklyn picks, like one or more of those guys is probably going to turn into like someone really, really good. So you, you can do that, but if you want to get that start, it probably needs to happen before the end of next season. But again, yeah. for me, I wouldn't give up. You know, I'm trying to, like your leverage is like, you're trying, like what are, what is that going to do for us? Like I'll give up the Brooklyn picks, fine, but what are you, like I don't want to give up any of the actual players. Like I can... You could, with Terry Rozier there, you could justify getting rid of Smart maybe as like really the primary yeah. um, piece. But if I'm the Celtics, I don't want to touch the the core four of Horford, Thomas, Bradley, or Crowder. Like that just doesn't make sense. To what me. you were talking about with the Bradley thing, how he's doing a new contract after next season, would, do you think, and maybe this, eh, I don't think it sounds that crazy on the surface, but do you think he's a max player? I think it'll be different I think, I think he's, because there won't be as much money floating around. Because, like, the, for, the, for the last, like, I think you could go back two years when people were preparing for this cap boon to probably through the end of this summer, the definition of a max contract player is going to change just because mm-hmm. of the cap was rising so quickly. But it is going to hit 120 uh, mm-hmm. by 2020, apparently. So that's about if we're averaging it over the next four summers. And obviously, I guess it's really three because we know this summer is going to be a jump. You're probably looking at $5 million extra a year, which seems almost standard to play around with. So I think the definition of max play, like I don't think if Zach Levine wasn't going to be a restricted free agent until let's say 2020 for some reason, 
Like, I, I don't think we would view him as a max player, like, reflexively. Like, we know he's getting I, a max. I view him as a max player reflexively because I think I have a man well, crush on him. But <laughs> Well, he could be really good is what I'm saying. But, like, you just know that he's going to get a max deal. Like, now it's just a fact. I'm not sure we say that in 2020 when, every, when the cap right. climate has sort of come to a head and you have these other superstars making some of that, like, pie as well cash pie or even whatever you want to say so but bradley like his salary is gonna double at least like he's gonna be making 16 oh yeah like alan crab got is got 17 per like so i'm gonna be comparing uh, not that anyone cares but for, (laughs) for the foreseeable future i'm gonna be comparing every salary to evan turner's every every single one so like Evan Turner's making 17 million next year, 17.9 the year after and 18.6 the year after. Like I will compare everything if it's a good or bad deal on that scale. <laughs> and they're all going to be good because <laughs> comparatively there's no way it could be worse. Like if that's my thing. Like, that's your worst contract it, in the NBA right now? Oh, I think oh. you have Noah Ashik. I think it's probably top Noah's, 5. Noah's pretty I didn't really have a problem with many of the deals that were signed last summer I, because of the cap spike. But And I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't have had a problem with Turner getting that deal from a team who could have properly slotted in his skill set, but it just didn't make sense there. It was such a head scratcher. And no, I, I don't know if, and I I don't it was think he work. thought about it, frankly, from, I, I don't know if, I don't know if tactical, like, uh, if these guys think about like the tactical ramifications at, as the forefront, because I mean, if you're being offered $75 million, like that should speak louder. But I remember reading, he said in an interview, I forget who did it, but he said he hit up uh, Andre Iguodala, who's like one of his best friends dating back to Philadelphia. And he was like, he was like, yo, they're offering me this. And he was like, take it, just take it. Like, which I get. And you should be doing that because go get paid. That's awesome. But like, it's not like this was exactly a well thought out thing. I mean, I'm sure the front office had a plan in mind, but I guess you have to think long-term, but I think from what he, he, Turner talked about this, that Terry Stotts assured him that he would shoot better from three with the Blazers, which he did for a minute. But I also in, think... In what, in what regard, though? Well, okay. Like, well, because he, of the way they were going to space the floor for him, or what? Because his mechanics have never changed. Right. I just think that the Blazers are adamant that... They're, and they can use Aminu last year as an example. Harkless is an example now. Um... I don't know who's calling me, but that we're just going to let that be an organic podcast interruption. Um, <laughs> like, I think he probably looked at that roster and said, like, they'll put me on the ball and run Lillard and McCollum off screens. I would think that would have came up in meetings, and they haven't done that more. And maybe he just thought he would be able to figure it out because he played so well in Boston. And if we're being honest, rather than re-sign Derrick Rose, if the Knicks could absorb Evan Turner into cap space as their point guard... I'd be fine with it. Like, I, I'm so anti-Derrick Rose. What's crazy to me is, like, I know we were probably grading Turner on a curve last season. I wasn't. So it, but was he, okay, was he that good last year? I know he was good. He was better. He was certainly better. And Stevens put him in a much more, in a role that was far more flattering. And they put him that's in position role, to succeed. Like, that, that's his, that's his but role. And I, that's the, like, I'm looking at his numbers, like, he averaged not not to use averages as the holy grail, but like he shot his best percentage ever from the floor. His three point percentage was pretty hideous, and his 
his PER, which has never been above 14, was at 12 or was at 13.6. Like, I'm not not to say he didn't have a good year, but like this guy was worth 75 million dollars. Okay. You know? It's <laughs> if you put him in the right role, I think he would have been and I think Yes, there's something to be said about if we really need to carve out this specific role for him, maybe he's not worth seven right. million. But like PER is never gonna love him because he's not a volume guy. <laughs> That's like, fair. And I'm probably cherry look, picking the wrong stats he, because I have a vendetta, look, but like I <laughs> here's here's what I it I just mean, I came for Evan Turner and I thought the Blazers were gonna work. While I did think they were gonna use him differently, clearly I was wrong that he was gonna work there. But last season, two other players equaled Turner's rebound, assist, steal, and block percentages. Who are they? LeBron. Is he one? Yeah. And the other... Paul George? No, Draymond Green. So, like, that's still... (laughs) though. Like, that's my point is, like, yes, he was in a smaller role. No, he can't shoot... But, like, he does some of these things. If you're going to let him play on the ball and be that pseudo point guard, like, even if the Blazers were doing that with the second unit, but they can't because you have both Dame and CJ. Like, it's impossible to stagger Turner from both of them. Like, it's just too hard. Right. So, in another situation, I think he's worth this money. So, it, it was – a again, he's not working, so I was wrong. I'm not trying to just say that he's great. <laughs> but, like, when you don't use – Scoring aside, like he does almost everything else, and he can, like, with the exception of this season, he can finish around the rim. Like he, if he, he gets can, there. he's always been pretty controlled around the rim, and I always admired that. But so I just, is it worth seventy million dollars to the Blazers? Clearly, it wasn't. But like you could put him on another team, and I think it would work. And I'm even telling you, like if if the Blazers were just willing to throw him into the Knicks' cap space this summer, and you're telling me the alternative was. Uh, New York throwing a crap ton of money at Jeff Teague or or Derek Rose. Um, I would do it. Like I, just, I need to like twist the knife a little, not to be. Well, I am being, vindictive. I'm being a jerk, but yeah, okay. His plus minus this year is minus one eighty six, which is the worst on that team by over sixty points. Crab is the second worst at minus one nineteen. Well, uh, yeah, Crab hasn't been good either. Uh, he is that, not. Um, defensively, he looks lost, but I think the Blazers are putting him in really bad situations um, to compensate for their sing shitty defense elsewhere. And, but Evan Turner has the second worst plus minus in the league. Only Brandon Knight is worse. Um, I think the difference there is, is that Brandon Knight has been demonstrably worse than every single other bench player on the Suns. And mm-hmm. when you look at the Blazers, it's like, oh, well, crap, Alan Crab's you know, has that really bad plus minus as well. So yeah, that's another guy, Brandon Knight. Like he seems like he's been so bad where it's like, he shouldn't have any value, but he's under guaranteed contract for three years after this one on a pre salary cap deal. And it's, it's at that point where you would give up value for him, but not too much. So then that makes him even more appealing because he's not going to cost what Eric Bledsoe would in terms of a trade package. And I think me yeah. and you wrapped about, a potential three-teamer, um, what was it? It was New Orleans sends Philly's second and Buddy oh, Hill yeah, yeah, yeah. to Phoenix. The Sixers get Brandon Knight from the Suns, and then Phoenix also gets um, Covington to go along with Philly's second and Buddy Heald, and then the Pelicans get Nerlens Noel to pair with Anthony Davis. And I think 
Buddy Heald might be an overpay now that I'm looking at it for Brandon Knight when you think about yeah. it. Um, the Pelicans love Buddy Heald. I think they like the idea that he was a four-year uh, guy. But that would be something I'd be interested to see. I just missed the – I was just thinking about if Crab had wound up on Brooklyn with Tyler Johnson. That would have been so fun. Even if Crab would have wound up in Brooklyn with Jeremy Lin. Yeah. That, but then like, we would probably get deprived of the Sean Kilpatrick experience a little bit, which is dude, a bummer. Sean, Sean Kilpatrick's legitimately really he, good. And I wrote is, about he's that. Great. He's like, he's just, he's actually good. And I think yeah. the only thing you probably need, like he's on offense. I'm not saying he's a finished product, but he just, like he's there. Like you, if you want to use him a little bit more off the ball, he's shown he can do that. He can run point guard. The only thing he needs to improve upon is probably his defense. And that's going to hurt when Brooklyn yeah. has him defending so many point guards anyway. Yeah. Um, Sean Kilpatrick is basically Michael Jordan is all I'm trying to get at. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's Knight. So there's just there's a lot of names. I just don't know who's who give me three players. I want three players that are most likely to get moved by the trade. At the deadline. Deadline. You're gonna include uh, Noel. I'm not gonna include any Sixers players because I have no idea what we already talked about that and I don't know what to read there. Oh, you're not uh, even gonna predict um you're not even going to predict Noel, really? Like, I just, why can't you include him? It seems like he would be. I get, all right. Nerlens, I think Rudy Gay gets moved even against the Kings' wishes of making the playoffs. Um, there's like, there's always one guy who I never consider who gets shipped. Oh, I think that it's that way. Like, or you hear, like, there's one guy who actually gets moved that you were talking about, but it's to a team and for it's a package to, yeah. that wasn't even. "Quote unquote" on the like last before. year when Channing Fry got moved, I was like, "That is," I was like, "That makes so much sense." <laughs> it made too much. I was like, "How did I not think of that?" Um, so you have Noel Gay, and who's the other one? I kind of wonder if uh, I wonder if Hazonia gets moved. I wonder if like Tyreek Evans gets moved too. Those two are up there. I haven't. I don't think Brandon Knights gets moved because, like, what's what's like appropriate value for him? I know we talked about it, but I don't know, and I don't think Phoenix wants to. Yeah, wants to do that. And I don't uh, even know what you trade for if you're Phoenix. Is the other thing, unless someone's giving you a pick, like it's just, they just they're not set at every position, but they just they have guys at every position. Like Orlando seems to make a move at the deadline every year. That's like not really. Like a super compelling, but like, didn't they make a trade last year? And they get like, what am I thinking of? Who's this? Orlando. Um, I'm completely blanking. I don't know. I feel like Orlando could be good for a move. They always shake things up, whether it's been better or the worse. Has but has to go. Like, if you're, you can't trade Ibaka because. I feel bad for a Bach. He's basically faded into, you I know. I mean, they're going to the max him this summer, so my, my, my sympathy is limited. But you're not going to trade him <laughs> when you gave up Oladipo and Sabonis for him. And you're not, like, I don't know who takes on Biombo's contract. So it, it yeah. has to be. Thinking of, thinking of places for Gay, you think the Thunder make a play for him? I know Zach Lowe mentioned them previously. They would like a, a second scorer maybe to pair with Westbrook. They want gay would make sense there, but I, just, I think he makes a lot of sense but there. You give up for him, like I'm not. I know that's up a, that's that's the problem. I you can't give up like a pick in the future because you, you actually up might be bad. Um, and like, and you're not trading Sabonis for a rental. 
No, Sabonis you, you shouldn't good. be trading Cameron Payne for a rental either. And you shouldn't like in. And even if you are going to keep Gay, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. It so feels not- like it would have to be a three-team trade where they, ha- I don't know, they have to get someone else involved to satisfy what Sacramento wants, and then maybe they part with a pick or something. I don't know. Yeah, it, I liked the idea of them getting, like, Caspi instead. Like, he's not a secondary yeah. scorer. But- well, Caspi's another. I mean, Caspi's been really displeased with his role. I kind of He's also, he would be, not, he would be, for them, maybe what we've wanted Anthony Morrow to be. Because he's an actual knockdown. If the Thunder could have like Roberson and Morrow merge into one player, oh well, he'd be. I mean, he'd be a guy I'd pay like thirteen million dollars a year. I mean, (laughs) I'd probably pay more than that. But I'm saying like that's you're saying Andre Roberson with a functional jump shot, basically, and no hesitancy. Yeah, that would be great. I do like Roberson. It's I. I also like making fun of him a lot. I'll never forget. I think. Friend of uh, friend of the podcast, Dan Carson, tweeted one time. He was like, "We need grant money to study Andre Roberson's Eurostep. <laughs> like everything he does is just so painfully awkward with the ball in his hands. Whether he's shooting from the corner or he's taking anyone off the dribble, it's like you're just waiting to see what happens. There's always some unpredictable ending." Yeah, I would support that. Uh, the trade deadline is going to be weird this year, I think, just because with the new CBA, I don't. You know, you're not going to see teams make plays for Paul George and uh, even DeMarcus Cousins. Wasn't it the same last year? It was quiet, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like there was a bunch of smaller deals. Yeah. Um, I think I think Gay – I'm leaning towards Gay getting moved because I, I don't think the Kings are going to be within a game, you know, when we're looking at February of the eighth seed. I can't imagine, like, if Noel doesn't get moved, they're just going to have to pay him. So I think he goes to um, – and I don't really want to pick Vucevic because you already picked him. So I'm trying to think of who. I don't think, I honestly don't think the Nets are going to trade Brook Lopez because he's been so valuable from a leadership standpoint. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they did. I think the Blazers are going to trade Evan Turner or Alan Crabb is gone by the trade deadline for them. I, I, I think one of them will go. It'll probably, they'll probably end up trading like Harkless or Leonard now that I said that, but. Do you think Washington makes a trade? They need C.J. Miles, like just someone off the bench. But I don't know who you who they give up. I just right, don't know that's who. what I'm thinking. Like I, like you're not trading Beal. Walls, you're not trading Wall right now. It would have to be to a team that's rebuilding and is willing to take a flyer on like Sadoransky or say I don't even know how to say his name. I suck. Um, yeah, but like maybe him. Uh, I don't know if you want to move Kelly Oubre when you've seen that. Might Mark be a little really hasn't choose. been that good. Uh, oh. I'll- also, how much is Otto Porter getting paid on that extension? Max, like, it's just gonna someone been, someone's gonna offer it to him if the Blazers I love Otto Porter. Don't. His game is so awesome, uh, and the way he's just evolved too from being like essentially a rotational also ran right. He played eight minutes a game his rookie year, right? Um, and his like, his steady progression. He has like a very what I would say is like a normalized like developmental curve, right? He's done like the exact thing that you expect almost from guys over the life of their rookie contract who are drafted in the spot that he was drafted in, or not what you would expect, but the ideal basically. No, I would agree. Um, he seems like he would be good as a four, like a, like almost a full time four. I just don't know if the Wizards are built to use him like that. Uh, They've played him there thirty percent of the time this year. Yeah, which I guess has been. I, I guess my thinking was like, how are you gonna? Um, 
how are you going to justify not playing Andrew Nicholson, like giving right. him minutes? And that's exactly what they've done. So I guess they are built to play like that. I just assumed they were going to use him. Um, yeah. But they their bench is awful, so they need something. It really is. Um, but we have gone so far over the time limit <laughs> um, that I'm even going to ditch Burns with Bacon again. I was going to go on a little bit of a DeMarcus Cousins rant, but we are at that hour mark. The synop- I don't know if you were going to bash him or not, but my synopsis would be Miles Leonard need to, needs to stop snitching. I was really not okay with his post-game comments. Those like, were bizarre. Just, I, I don't necessarily like... like let, it, let it go. I like, just don't necessarily like how Boogie was portrayed with the first tirade, but at the same time, people were prepared to give him a pass and saying, like, writers aren't above player critiques. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But Boogie was, like, hot and did it, like, in a completely unprofessional manner. And just as, like... You know, these guys are paid to give their opinions, whether they're, you know, the column itself from the Sacramento Bee reporter was like, eh, but him mentioning uh, Cousins' brother was whatever. That was germane to the topic. And he didn't right. he didn't analyze it in that particular column. Like, it was just, it was just mentioned. Um, right. But just as those guys are paid to give their opinions, whether you like it or not, NBA players, whether they like it or not, are, are paid to be in the public eye. And Cousins had to know the optics were going to be Absolutely mm-hmm. awful. I also do not believe that the mouth guard just came out of his mouth. He spit that thing. At the <laughs> I'm not mouth. touching that, but regardless of if it was intentional or not, Myers Leonard needs to just keep his displeasure with. I mean, like, is it fun to have this feud? Sure. I mean, Myers Leonard being at the center of a feud isn't like really the most compelling thing, but like, I didn't, it's, just, it's such a, it's like, I didn't I'm, even know Boogie was talking like about, guilted. I didn't see the whole game, but I just didn't even know Boogie was talking about Myers Leonard. I thought he was talking about Mason Plumley or something. <laughs> so I was just like, um, I only caught the end of it because I was writing and watching the other games, and I honestly didn't think that game was going to be very good. It's way funnier if it's Myers Leonard, honestly. Well, I'm assuming it was Myers Leonard because Myers Leonard was like, he was talking about me or talking to me or right. something. So um, I've never seen the Blazers push or promote Myers Leonard in the way that Boogie was like describing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, if you would like to talk more about the Sixers or our random trade musings, you can get at Alec Nathan on Twitter. He is at Alec B. Nathan, spelled exactly like it sounds. I got your handle right. I think I memorized yep. it by now, right? I'm getting good at this. If you want to talk to Andy or Adam, who didn't love you enough to be here today, um, Andy is at Andrew D. Bailey, also spelt like it sounds. Adam Frommel is at Frommel09. That's F-R-O-M-A-L-0-9. You can find me at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. And you can try and find any of us at the at Hardwood Knox Twitter handle at Hardwood Knox, which has been pretty dormant over the last few months or so. But we'll eventually get around um, to tweeting there, hopefully. There will be no shout-out for Benno Udre since Andy Bailey and Adam aren't here, and I have no desire to shout him out. Until next time. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. 
$30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.